You've been given an outline, and it's very, very general, because we're going to be all over the place in the scriptures today, but I will try to get you references, and so if you like to take notes and you want to go back and study this out a little bit, I want to teach you some things about the angels who came on uh, that first Christmas night, and who they are, where they came from, what they're about, and, uh, and how they relate to us. I think it's very important that we do so. A lot of us at Christmas time, we go to decorate our trees. How many of you got your trees up already? Everybody got your trees up? Do you have trees? Some of you have trees. We don't have one in our house, but there's one down the end of the hallway down here in the church, and we're glad to have that one. And a lot of people, I remember as a child, we would decorate our Christmas tree and get all the lights on, if they worked, and then, and then the bulbs hung, and, and then the gifts went under the tree, and it seemed like the last thing we did, and that when we knew it, Christmas started, was when we actually put that star on top. You know what I'm talking about? Ours was kind of a glass thing, and we'd had it forever. I think it finally broke after years, and we had to do something else. And then we had a little girl, a daughter that was born to us, and then we switched over at our house to an angel, and we put an angel on top. And it was a little angel that really looked like our daughter, and we were really happy to put that up there. And uh, that's the closest thing to an angel I think I remember about her, but she, we love her, and, uh, and, uh, but that was, that was a wonderful thing. But why do we put stars on the top of a tree? They commemorate that star that guided the Magi to go and find the Christ child. And then we put an angel that, uh, guide, that reminds us of the angels who came to announce Christ's birth. Very special thing. On your notes there, you have uh, the announcement that they made to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. To announce that the Messiah had come. What a wonderful thing. Angels, what do we know about them? The one thing we know for sure is they're not the typical angel that you see that people draw. Some kind of a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white-skinned female creature in a, in a white gown that's got a lot of glitter on it and wing, two wings that stick out the back and, and uh, they just look totally harmless and, and gentle and kind and sweet and all of that. Scripture gives us quite a different picture of what an angel was like. And I think it's important that we understand these angels, though they're outside of our purview, we, we don't see them, we, we don't often think about them unless somebody brings them up, but they're as real as you and I are. They're in a different world, they're in the spiritual realm, they are in the realm where God reigns and we, we are too, but we are in a physical world, they're in a spiritual world. And there are battles that go on in that spiritual world constantly. And there are decisions that are made and they are, they are constantly going about doing the work of God in the spiritual world. And it's important that we understand that. There are fallen angels. There are, are angels who do God's bidding and then there are angels who reject God and fight against him constantly. And uh, it's important that we recognize that this is going on. So what do we know about angels? <clears throat> angels differ in ranks. And they differ in responsibilities. We know that there are certain angels that are called cherubims or cherubs. 
A lot of people put those around at the at the altar in in the tabernacle. There were two cherubims who were over the mercy seat, and their wings reached across. And they were they were beautiful creatures. Those those were images of the cherub that God has. If you want to look along in your Bible, you can, and, and or maybe just jot down some references. I'll give them to you, and I'll read a little bit as I go through this. I put quite a bit of study into it. I hope it'll be helpful to you. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 to 24, we see the first mention of the angel cherub, the cherubims. They're guardians of Eden after Adam and Eve fell. And the Bible tells us in verse 24 of Genesis chapter 3 uh, that God drove the man out because of the sin. He didn't want them to partake of the tree of, the guard, uh, tree of life where they would live forever in their sin. So he drove them out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So these are not these little dainty, blonde-haired, blue-eyed creatures. These are powerful creatures that wield swords, fiery swords, that turn every direction uh, at God's direction. Cherubim somehow serve as a means of transportation for God himself. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 11, it says, God rode on a cherub and flew, and he appeared on the wings of the wind. In Psalm 18, verse 10, it says, he rode upon a cherub and flew, and he sped upon the wings of the wind. And I say, this is hard for us to comprehend. This is in the spirit world. It's hard for us to grasp. Ezekiel describes the appearance of cherubs. In Ezekiel chapter 1, if you want to look there, in verse 5. And I'll be reading there for a little while if you want to catch up there. Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 5. This is a description of what a cherub looks like. It says in verse 5, they had a human form. Each of them had four faces and four wings. It's hard to describe. Their legs were straight and their feet were like a calf's hoof. And they gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, were human hands. As for the faces and wings of the four of them, their wings touched one another. Their faces did not turn when they moved and went straight forward. As for the form of their faces, each had the face of a man. All four had the face of a lion on the right side and the face of the bull on the left. And all four had the face of an eagle. I don't know if that's on the back or on the top. But such were their faces. Their wings were spread out above. Each had two touching another and two covering their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. In the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth among the living beings. The fire was bright and lightning was flashing from the fire. And the living beings ran to and fro like bolts of lightning. An amazing picture of what these creatures are like. Those are the cherubims. There are other angels that are described in scripture called seraphims. The seraphims are described in Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2. Isaiah saw them in a vision. He said, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. And seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. Amazing, these creatures. So they're different than what we have imagined and what the artists have told us about. They're different. And maybe one day, well, one day we will see them, for sure, as we step into eternity ourselves. 
In other, other places in the scriptures, they're called living creatures. In other places, they're called sons of God in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 38. They're called the morning stars in Job 38. They're called the hosts or the heavenly hosts. That's, there are many of them. There are more angels than we can possibly number. Revelation chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 12 talk about the myriads, the millions, the thousands beyond our ability to count how many of them there are. Angels are called principalities and powers in Ephesians chapter 3 and in Colossians chapter 3. They appeared in human bodily form at God's discretion at different times throughout the Old Testament. Abraham met with them in Genesis chapter 22. They met with Hagar in the Egyptian as she fled from Sarah's wrath in Genesis chapter 16. They met with Lot before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed in Genesis chapter 19. They met with Jacob, uh, whose name was changed to Israel in Genesis chapter 28. They met with Moses, the lawgiver, in Exodus chapter 3. They met with Balaam. You remember Balaam was going to go curse Israel. And he went from place to place trying to do that at, at the whim of a, of, a, of a godless king. And his donkey stopped because an angel got in the way and would let Balaam by. And uh, Balaam understood and his eyes were opened when his donkey told him and said, you don't want to go there, there's an angel there. An angel appeared to Joshua as the captain of God's armies. Joshua was the captain of Israel's armies. And he said, whose side are you on? The angel said, you need to be on my side, on God's side. And in Joshua chapter 5. An angel met with Gideon there as he threshed in the wine press. He threshed wheat in a wine press, which is something you don't do unless you're scared to death and hiding. And the angel called him a mighty man of valor. This man who was actually cowering at that time in Judges chapter 6. An angel met with Manoah and his wife in Judges chapter 13 to announce the birth of their son, Samson. An angel met with David, the greatest king of Israel, in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and 1 Chronicles chapter 21. He met with Elijah. You remember Elijah? Called down fire from heaven, ran in front of Ahab's chariot, found himself under a tree, worn out, tired, wanting to die. And God sent an angel to minister to him and to bring food to him, and to comfort him. There was another time when Elisha was surrounded by the enemy, and his servant said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes so he can see who's with us. And surrounding the enemy's army was a host of angelic army all around them. And Gehazi, or the servant of Elisha, was able to go to rest, understanding that God was protecting them. You remember Daniel in the Old Testament? Faithful man who never turned his way from the Lord, and they caught him praying, and they threw him in a lion's den. The next day, the king came to check on him in Daniel chapter 6, and the king said, are you there? Are you there? And Daniel said, yes, God sent an angel to close the mouth of the lion so that I could rest there in the lion's den. And so they pulled Daniel out. And the angels must have gone too. Because then they threw the enemies of Daniel in. And before they hit the ground, the lions took them out. An amazing thing these angels can do. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood up for the Lord. They would not bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. And they were cast into a fiery furnace that was higher, hotter than it had ever been before. Two people who threw those men in died because of the heat. And the Bible tells us that there was an angel, one who looked like the Son of God, walking in the midst of the fire with them in Daniel chapter 3. You can look throughout the New Testament as well and see times. And we're going to look at some of these times today, a little bit more detail than what I've just done with the Old Testament. There's so many sightings of these angels. And uh, it's important that we understand this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. You ought to look at that. Look at that up in your Bible real quick. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2. The Bible tells us, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. I don't know. Abraham didn't recognize the angel as angels at first. He just fixed meals for them. I'm sure Lot didn't really understand who they were at first. But then they saw the power that came with them. We don't know if they walk amongst us or not. But we do know they're real. And there's an admonition in scripture for us to be kind to people we don't know because perhaps they could be an angel. Now in the Bible, there are names for some of the angels, not all of them, but some of them are named. They have masculine names. Remember we talked about the blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl that looks like it that we call angels? No, they have masculine names. There's Michael the archangel. He does battle for God in the spiritual realm. My studies seem to indicate that he is probably God's most powerful angel. He is the captain of the armies of the hosts of God's angels. And uh, he is the one that defeats Satan. You got Daniel chapter 10 talks about him. Daniel chapter 12 talks about him. Jude verse 9 talks about him. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. Michael the archangel. I have a brother named Michael. Uh, he's not an angel. But this one is. This one really is. Michael the archangel. There's another angel named Gabriel. And Gabriel is probably, just as Michael is probably the most noted warrior for God, Gabriel is the most noted messenger for God. Uh, and he is, uh, he is seen in Daniel chapter 8. He meets with Dan- Daniel in Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 9. And he is the one that met with Mary and Zacharias in Luke chapter 1. And a very important angel, Gabriel. So get this proper image of the angels in your mind. They're mighty, powerful, outspoken creatures that God has given special powers to. To accomplish his work in his way, in his timing. They've been privileged to be in the presence of God himself. Matter of fact, in in Luke chapter 1... When Zacharias is there in the, te- uh, the, te- the temple, he walks in to perform a special ritual that only once a year a priest gets to do. And he walked in there and he looked into one side of the altar. He sees an angel and it, and it frightens him. And the angel speaks to him and the angel told him, you are an old man and your wife is an old lady, but you're going to have a son. 
And his name's going to be John, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. And Zacharias looks at him and says, how am I supposed to know that's true? And the angel kind of rears up and says, now listen, I am Gabriel who walks in the presence of God. And he sent me here to talk to you. I think Zacharias listened after that. Powerful creatures. Unfortunately, we also know of another angel that's named in the King James. He's called Lucifer. In the other translations, he's called uh, uh, the star of the morning. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14, you should look there if you would to get get a picture of this angel. Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Lucifer is the anointed cherub. He was one of those creatures that maybe God rode on at one point. One of those creatures who's very powerful, four heads and wings and speedy all over the place. Beautiful creature, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How have you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, King James says, star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. In Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus said, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning when God's wrath fell on him. Ezekiel chapter 28 is another passage that describes the fall of Satan from the presence of God. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12 Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre. And it also speaks of Lucifer's fall. And say to him, thus says the Lord, the God, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. What a description of angels. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, and it lists a bunch of them. On the day that you were created, you were, they were prepared. Verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. He was specially chosen as the being, being one of God's prime angels. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. And I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. God said, I cast you to the ground. Like us, angels were created beings. They are created beings. You and I have a starting point. The day that God brought us into this world, we were birthed. Angels were created some point. We don't know exactly when it was. Sometime at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. God is the only one who's always been. The angels are all created. And they're created like us to bring glory to him. That's why we were created. That's why the angels were created. 
And the angels, because they had such a high place of privilege when they rebelled against God, Lucifer and the other angels who rebelled that day, now we call them demons, were cast out of heaven. And now they continue to fight. You remember we talked about those spiritual battles that are constantly going on. Lucifer and his angels are fighting against Michael and his angels in a spiritual battle constantly. And ultimately, God's angels are going to win. But angels are created beings. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, His beloved son, that's Jesus, the baby that was born at Christmas time, His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things, including angels, were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. So the angels were created just like we were created for the glory of the Lord and to accomplish His work. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts, including the angels. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, You alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heavens of heavens, with all their hosts, the angels. The earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly hosts bow down before you. So why? But an all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere-present God create these angels. Again, their purpose is to worship God continually. We read about it in Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, those seraphs with the six wings over their faces, over their feet, to what they fly, constantly are declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's in Isaiah Turning your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4 and you see those same angels at the end of time continually saying exactly the same thing. In in verse number 8, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And then in verse 11, the angels are declaring, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. So the angels were created to worship God, and to bring glory to God, and to announce to the, all of creation who he is. That's the purpose of an angel. Another thing they do is they minister on God's behalf. In Psalm chapter 10, verse 4, it says, He makes the winds, his messengers, flaming fire, his ministers. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7, which we read this morning. And of the angels, he said, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, we read that this morning. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. So angels were created to worship God, and they were created to minister on behalf of God. And verse 14 says that part of their service is for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Angels were created to minister to you and me. Those of us who've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Amazing, amazing 
And these creatures are different than you and I are. They have special abilities to do things that you and I cannot do. They have powers that you and I don't understand. It's hard for us to grasp this. They can go through doors of prisons. They can circumvent the physical obstacles of the world. They can travel over distant spaces in moments and seconds uh, in the flash of an eye. Fighting battles in the spirit world against the powers of Satan. Let me read some, place, some places where these battles take place from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10 verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's, an, that's a demon, was, under, was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael... One of the chief princes, that archangel, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. It's a spiritual battle that kept this angel from coming to speak to Daniel. Daniel chapter 10, verse 20, I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I'm going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. Another demon is about to come and fight him. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, the archangel, your prince. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people. So Michael must be the one who guards over God's specific chosen people, the Jews. Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. Jude chapter 1 verse 9 calls Michael the archangel. When he disputed with the devil, argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 says there was war between Michael and his angels, waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon, that's the devil, was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. God's going to win. And he's going to use the angels to fight that battle. The angels delivered messages all throughout Scripture to the Old Testament prophets in Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 10. Talks about them and describes them. And I won't read all the verses that are about that. But it's amazing how God uses these creatures. They worship God. They fight battles for God. They seem to frighten those who meet them. Remember Zacharias? Oh, I don't know. Why would angels be frightening creatures? Let's look at the angel's power. Again, they're not those little dainty, blonde-haired, blue-eyed creatures that we see in artist renditions. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7, it talks about them being flame of fire. they described as fiery. Remember Ezekiel talking about there'd be like coals of fire within them. I don't understand this. They, they flashed about like lightning. They perform miraculous feasts. Feats. Again, we read about in Daniel how they closed the mouth of lions. In Acts chapter 5, I told you we'd read about some of the appearances of angels in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 5, the high priest rose up in Acts chapter 5 verse 17. Along with all his associates, that's the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy against the Christians. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. But during the night... An angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison 
And taking them out said, go, stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. And upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. So an angel went in, opened the doors of a prison cell to get the apostles out so they could get the gospel to the world. Acts chapter 12, we read about this not long ago. We preached about this in church not long ago. About how Peter was in prison again. Herod had already captured James and had had him executed. And now Peter was about to be executed. There's a prayer meeting going on at the house of Mary in another place. And they're praying for Peter that the Lord would protect him. And while they're praying, the Bible tells us that an angel of the Lord in verse 7 of Acts chapter 12 suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell there where Peter was. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. An angel made that happen. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow, and he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they passed the first and second guards, or the angel kept sleeping somehow, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them of its own behalf. I said this before, it's like going into Safeway. The doors just opened. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And then Peter was by himself again. An amazing thing. So they are sent as ministers to God's people at times. Sometimes they use their power to execute judgment on God's behalf. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 15 and 16, Scripture tells us that one angel killed 70,000 of King David's subjects when he sinned by numbering the people against God's will. 70,000, one angel took them out. And that was a small battle. Because in 2 Kings chapter 19, you can read about this, where another angel walked into the Assyrian camp. And the Bible says in verse 35, Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. One angel, 70,000 at one point, 185,000 at another point. One angel was sent by God to judge King Herod. When King Herod decided to accept the praise that only belongs to God. Acts chapter 12 verse 21. On an appointed day Herod, having put on his royal apparel, stood in his seat on the rostrum and began delivering an address to the crowd. And the people kept crying out, the voice of God and not of man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and died. Why would angels be fearful? Why would would we be afraid of them? I think we have reason. So now, with what you know of the Christmas story, take your imagination for a little bit and go to that field. We saw that field this summer in Israel. Open field, 
the place where they say the shepherds were on the night of Christ's birth. There are no street lights, nothing but the stars in the sky and the moon, dark. And all of a sudden, an angel pops up. And we see what happens here. This angel instructs them that the Messiah has been born. The angel's proclamation. Let's go there. I'm skipping it forward in my notes. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee. I'm skipping this here. Let's go here. Here it is. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Again, let your imagination go here for just a minute. It's dark. You're, you're with your friends. You're guarding sheep at night. Sheep are white against the stars. They probably kind of glowed with a ghostly sheen. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There appeared with the angel, probably Gabriel, a multitude. Remember we talked about how there were more angels than we could number? A multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. Fiery creatures saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, it got dark again. Nothing but them and sheep and stars. You ever walk out of the out of a lit, light, lit, or lighted up room at night into a dark space and then your eyes take a little while to figure out what's going on. You can't see. But they looked at one another and they said, let us go straight to Bethlehem and then see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. I think that's interesting. Every time an angel stepped in, Zacharias was terrified, but as soon as he saw the angel, he said, yep, I'm going to obey God. Mary, she's announced by an angel, Gabriel, you're going to have a child, but I've never had it. Relationship with a man. How, how's this going to be? I'm an angel. I'm telling you, God said this is going to happen. Okay, yes, Lord, do it according to your will. Joseph, in a dream. Mary, your betrothed wife, your fiance is about to have a child. I had nothing to do with this. Angel said, she's going to have a baby. It's okay. You accept him. Joseph says, yes, I will do it. The shepherds, terrified. They, they said, go find the baby. Yes, we're going to go find the baby. I wish we were all that obedient. You know, we don't need an angel. We have God's word that tells us what we're supposed to do, right? How much better it would be just simply to obey God's word. In Luke chapter 2, as they said, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he laid in the manger. The Bible tells us that after that, they got up and left and went and told the world about Jesus. Everywhere they went, they told them about him. 
Now, we've talked about the angels, and we've talked about their purpose. We've talked about their power, and we've talked about their proclamation now, how they told the world about the Messiah coming. But I want to end with this. The angels have a prohibition, some prohibition, some things they are not allowed to do. First of all, angels cannot take the place of God. Lucifer found that out. I will arise and be like the most high. I'm going to cast you down. Psalm chapter 103 verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. In Revelation 19 and Revelation chapter 22, we see an angel meeting with John, the the revelator, the one who wrote the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And both times these angels, this angel steps into his presence and John falls down and starts to worship him. And the angel's reply was, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. So we don't worship angels. We recognize them as God's messengers. We recognize them as God's warriors. We recognize them as God's servants. But we don't worship them. Angels have another thing that they cannot do. Angels cannot experience the joy of salvation. Angels who fall are not redeemed. They are reserved in constant judgment until the end. And for all of eternity, these angels who have rejected God will be judged by God. Jude verse one, chapter 1, verse 6, angels who did not keep their own domain, like Lucifer, but abandoned their proper abode, like Lucifer. He has kept in eternal bands under darkness for the judgment of that great day. Now we know that some of them, not all of them, and I don't understand all of this. This is a spiritual thing. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And verse 9 says, and the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. We know eventually that they get cast into hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. It was not created for you and I. But if we choose like those devil's angels to reject God, that's where we will end up. Now, these fallen angels, why did God judge them so severely? Why is it that redemption is not for them? Because they walked in the presence of God. They've seen him face to face. They've seen him. They've heard his voice. They've seen his throne. They've seen the glory in the presence of God, and yet they rejected him. Scripture says in Luke chapter 12, From everyone who's been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask the more. They receive a greater judgment because they've had greater opportunity. Jesus did not come to earth as the babe of Bethlehem to redeem angels. He came to redeem you and me. What a gift we have. What an opportunity we have. 
Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. John three sixteen and 17, God sent not his Son into the world, or for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world, to judge the world, us, but that the world might be saved through him. John chapter 3, verse 36, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Have you accepted the wonderful gift of the Savior who came at Christmas time? If not, Let me encourage you, today is the day of salvation. Call upon him while he is near. There is coming a day of judgment. Angels can't be redeemed. Scripture tells us that they watch us. They're amazed at what God has done. Someone wrote this. The reality of the Christian's living hope is held in awe and wonder by the angelic hosts of heaven. The magnitude of this salvation is proved by the earnestness by which the prophets and even angels search into it. How the angels watch the saints. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 9. We have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 by common profession. Great is the mystery of godliness. He was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed unto the nations, believed on in the world, taken up into glory. 1 Peter chapter 1. It was revealed to them that they were not themselves serving themselves but you, the angels. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which the angels look. They, it's like they're looking over the top saying, what, what has God done? Those people sin too. And yet he sent the Savior to redeem them. We don't understand this. We can't comprehend it. Hebrews says he did not come to give help to angels in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 16. He came to redeem you and me. When we were in Micronesia, we had a choir of young people who sang. And one of the songs that they sang has always ringed in my heart. They sang this, Angels never knew the joy that is mine. For the blood has never washed their sins away. Though they sing in heaven, there will come a time when silently they'll listen to me sing amazing grace. Holy is the Lord. The angels sing all around the throne of God continually. And to join their song would be a natural thing, but they would not know the words to love lifted me. It's a song holy angels cannot sing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It's a song holy angels cannot sing. I once was lost, but now I'm found. The amazing thing to me is that God could use angels to announce the Lord's birth. Then angels ministered to the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane. The angels attended his resurrection and his ascension. And then they looked at God's people 
as they watched Jesus go to heaven and they said, why are you standing gazing up into the sky? Jesus is coming back. And remember what he told you to do in Matthew chapter 28? Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't send angels to do that. There's nowhere in the scripture where we see angels preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you and I have been given that commission to tell people about the Savior who came to redeem us, not the angels, from our sins. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. First of all, have you accepted the gift of salvation? If not, let us help you with that today. And secondly, if you have accepted that gift of salvation, are you as obedient as the angels are? Are you doing what God's called you to do?